can tell you. Who came to AMP last night? How cool was that? Man, I just want to say before I start tonight that, uh, you know, AMP last night was an awesome event, and I want to tell you why. It was because there were souls saved at that place. You know, we had 10, I think it's a 10, Anna, first-time commitments, and 16 recommits back to the Lord. So I'll tell you what, that makes any event an outstanding event. That makes any event a huge success when people come up to this altar and they give their lives to the Lord. Because you know what, church, that's what we're about. That's what we're about. We're about seeing souls saved. We're about seeing the lost come and and become into a relationship with Jesus Christ. So tonight, I just want to honor Anna and the youth and Pastor Dave for an awesome event. So church, come on, let's give them a huge round of applause. Outstanding event. And also, I just want to say, Anna, for me as a kid's pastor... Man, you are an outstanding youth leader for running the teenagers and stuff. And I just want to say publicly here, you know, for me as a youth pastor, as a kids pastor, I need somebody running the youth and running it well and uh, the teenagers because that's where my kids go after, we're, after they reach a certain age. And so I just want to say, Anna, you're doing an outstanding job. And in front of everyone here, I just want to honor you for what you're doing, honor you for what you've done this year. You've got an amazing bunch of young people right there because of what you've sown into them. And don't, I just want to say, don't worry about what people say. Don't worry about judgments. God has placed you there for a reason, and God is going to fulfill every desire that you have in your heart because you are going to do great things amongst the youth of this church. Come on, church. Let's give her a huge round of applause. Excellent. Lord God, we just thank you for tonight. Lord God, we just commit this night to you. And Lord, we declare, have your way in this place. Jesus, have your way in this place, Lord. Father, as we open our lives to you to receive your word, Lord, we pray that you'd speak and you'd minister to us, Lord, that God, this tonight you would transform us, Lord, that you would transform us to be someone who's ordinary, Lord God, out of that place of ordinary to someone who's totally extraordinary, radically saved, hungry for what you've got for us, Lord. God, we thank you tonight, Lord, you would speak to every heart, Lord, in Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. Awesome. If you've got your Bibles, you can turn to Luke 4, and I'm just going to start in here. Luke 4 says this, this is Jesus speaking, and uh, it says that the Spirit of of the Lord is upon me, for He has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that the captives will be released, that the blind will be set free, sorry, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. You see, friends, Jesus This is what Jesus is reading for himself. But you know what? When Jesus died, you see, what empowered Jesus was the Holy Spirit that lived in him, that gave him power, that gave him the authority to see breakthrough, to see anointing, to see soul saved, to see the sick healed, to see the the oppressed set free. And when Jesus died and went up to heaven, he said that I will leave you with somebody. And that person was the Holy Spirit who lives inside of us tonight. If you're a born-again believer tonight, then the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. And friends, I want to tell you tonight that the same Spirit that empowered the Lord Jesus Christ empowers you tonight. The same person, the same Spirit that empowered the Lord Jesus to see the the, uh, blind set free, to see people healed, to see the oppressed set free, that same Spirit lives in you tonight. And so the question I ask you tonight is this. When you look around 
at the at people who are unsaved, what is it that you see? When you're in school and you're walking down your corridor at school, what is it do you see? When you're in your workplace, you're out for a coffee with your friend, you walk in the streets, what is it that you see? Because you see, we live in a generation that is totally lost. I get amazed that when I go into a shop to get gas or whatever, and people are like, oh, oh what are you doing this weekend? And, and just say whatever I'm doing. And they're saying, oh, man, we're going out. We're going to a party. We're going to get so hammered. It's going to be totally awesome. And these are grown men. These aren't teenagers. These are like my age. And I'm thinking, man, you still haven't grown up yet? But you see, that's all that people are living for. Because, friends, we live in a generation that are looking for something. And whether you believe it or not, you are the answer to their need. You are the answer to their problem. Whether you believe that you can do it or not, you are the answer. So when you're walking in your corridor at school or you're in your workplace and you see people who are unsaved, you see people who are just so brokenhearted, who are nearly on the edge of committing suicide, where you see teens getting pregnant and giving their virginity over because of a need to be loved, what is it that stirs your heart up inside? When you see married couples who are your friends divorcing, what is it that stirs you when you see that? Because you see, either it will stir us up on the inside to think, man, I want to do something about that. Man, there's, there's something that I've got that these people need. Or for some of us, we would just sit back and think, whoa, man, you know, I'm just glad I'm saved. I'm just going to stay here. I'm just going to do all that I can to make sure that I don't fall down that same path. But man, stink for you. Or maybe some of us, we might sit there and think, man, this is such a big problem. This is such a hard problem. What can I do? Or maybe... We see that situation with a heart of compassion, with the heart that Jesus Christ has for them, and think, man, Lord, I pray that you would give me an opportunity to speak. Lord, I pray that, Jesus, you would give me an opportunity, Father, to speak into that situation. Lord, where there's that broken heart, Lord God, where they feel so lost that they're ready to give up. Lord, that, God, you would give me, Lord, the opportunity. Lord, you would give me the boldness. Lord, you would give me the courage, Father, to speak in. Because you see, church, we are what they need. We are what they need. They need us. They need young people who passionately live for the Lord Jesus Christ. They need an older generation who passionately live for the Lord Jesus Christ. They need all of us to stir up our hearts for the lost. They need all of us to be stirred up that we would start to see, that we would start to position ourselves to see God move in this region. You see, whether it's through salvation, whether it's through healing. See, I'm hungry for the supernatural. My passion and desire is that, that we would start to see the, the lost be saved, that we would start to see the sick healed, that we would start to recognize when God's speaking to us. You know, my wife was in a service station, you know, was, I don't know, maybe two, three months, four months ago, and she was just minding her own business getting petrol. And she noticed the guy next to her in the other, in the other pump pumping out petrol as well, and he'd put in $50. You see, but when he went to the counter, she was also there. And he gave her his, his the, the guy gave the counter lady his uh, FBOS card, and it declined. And then he said, I'll try it again, and it declined again. And he was like, well, I know that there's money in there. 
My wife, just at that split second, felt the Lord say, I want you to pay for that person. And so Elle said, I, you know, excuse me, sir, you know, I see you've got a problem with your card, you know, and uh, I'd just like to pay that for you. And he's like, what? what? What are you, crazy? What's wrong with you, woman? She's like, no, man, I just want to bless you with this gift because, you know, I'm a Christian and I just want to pay this for you. You see, friends, there's opportunities all the time. You see, she might not see that person get saved right then and there. But that act of kindness speaks volumes about what God has called us to be. You see, you can encounter the Lord in your own prayer closet, which we're called to do. But if you can't relate to the unsaved, then you need to start to uh, develop in your life that, that ability to be able to relate. Because, you see, we need to have a personal encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ so that we can then go out and so that then we can then be in a place where we can start to meet the needs and see the needs of the unsaved so that we can call them in. You see, we need to position ourselves to see God move. We need to position ourselves to see God move. And there are many things that will hinder us from doing that. We're called. The Spirit of the Lord is upon you. He has anointed you to bring the good news to the poor, to bring the good news to the lost, to bring the good news to the brokenhearted. He has anointed you to proclaim that the captives will be released out of, out of, out of bondages, out of addictions. God has anointed you, friends. Because why? Because the same Spirit lives in you tonight. And maybe you're here for the first time. Then, friends, I want to tell you that it's real simple. It's real simple to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to give you an opportunity later on where, where you can just come and give your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. And your life will be totally turned around. Your life will, be never, will, will not be the same ever again. It'll be the best decision that you've ever made. You know, I'll never look back from the day that I got saved. And I got saved in this church many years ago. And I remember it. I still remember it today. Brought up in a Catholic church and, and didn't like it. Didn't like church. Didn't want to come here because it was too long. And the Catholic church was only an hour. And I had to go somewhere because my parents went somewhere, you know, one, my dad went to the Catholic church, mum went here, and, uh, and dad was away, and so I had to come here, and I'd been here before, but, and it was just one of those things where it was a God moment. You see, don't ever stop asking your friends to come to church. Don't ever stop asking your friends to come into this place. One God moment in season can totally change your life. You might have asked them before to come, they might have said no. They might have even come before and said, yeah, it's not my thing. You see, I came and said it wasn't my thing. But one moment in one, in, in, in one day, one time, arrived here. Was, I still remember Aaron Walsh gave his testimony. He's not in our church anymore, but he's doing amazing things in Tauranga. Gave his testimony, and from that, I was like, man, I've got to do something about my life. And I got saved that night. You see, friends, don't ever stop asking. Don't ever stop asking. Don't ever stop asking. You know, there are things that will stop us from positioning ourselves to see God move. You know, some of those things are fear, unbelief, a lack of self-worth, condemnation. Maybe you've been burnt so many times before that you thought, man, I'm just not going to go there ever again. I'm just not going to ask ever again because I've been burnt that often by people that 
I'm just, I'm just going to give up. I'm just not going to ask them again because I don't want to be hurt. And you know, friends, that's a real, that's real, that hurt inside that you feel. Whenever you're rejected, that always hurts. Whenever you ask someone to do something, they say, no, that hurts. And we've all been in that place before. But it's time to move out of that place. It's time to move out of that place. It's time to lay fear down at the foot of the cross. It's time to get rid of unbelief. It's time to lay off the attack of condemnation that the devil will place on you. Because you see, none of us are perfect. But we're all redeemed by the blood of Jesus. We're all redeemed to be able to stand as man and woman of God by the blood of Jesus. See, friends, I've got five keys for you tonight that will help you position yourself to see God move. And you see, it's about a positioning. Because God wants to move. We know that, amen? God wants to move in your life. God wants you to step out, pray for the sick, and see them healed, amen? God wants you to go and talk to your friends and see them saved, amen? So we all agree on that. So it's about us positioning ourselves so that we can see that take place. And the first one is this. We need to be looking outwardly. You see, for so many of us, we get so caught up in, the, in our own situations that we miss what God's doing and what God wants to do in the people out there. For so many of us, we're going through, when we go through uh, things in our life, where we go through struggles, where we go through financial pressures, maybe you're, you're going through a situation or a family member or a situation in your life that you're dealing with a, a hurt and a pain. But you see, friends, God, when Jesus came, he said, I would lay down my life. His ministry was about a self-sacrificial ministry. His ministry was about others, about sacrificing his own life so that others could be saved. But yet we so often get caught up with our own problems, our own stuff. We get caught up when someone says something the wrong way to us. We get caught up when someone looks at us the wrong way. We get caught up when we get a bill in the mail that we didn't expect or we're overcharged by some tradesperson. We get caught up by so many different things. And you know what? They can all be justified. But I believe that as we look beyond our own circumstances and we start to look and see how we can bless others, how we can be a support to others who are also in need, then I believe not only will we help them see a breakthrough, not only will we position our lives to see God move through us so that we can bring someone else into a breakthrough, but we will also, I believe, position ourselves to see our own breakthrough as we look outwardly. You know, we were just, uh, we were coming, I was coming on staff here at church, and, uh, and we'd also had our second child. And we'd had our second child, and then a week had gone by, and I was playing cricket at that stage, and uh, my wife didn't want me to play, but because I was captain and it was a real crucial game, our team and another team were at the top, and uh, so I said, no, no, I'll be good, I'm going to play. And I was due to start here on staff the week after as well. And how many people know who are husbands here? It's really important that you listen to your wife, otherwise bad things can happen. And, uh, and so, anyway, that was my experience. I should have listened to my wife, because that day I played, I had this freakish accident where... I got hit in the knee, smashed my kneecap. I was on crutches for two months. And now, me being self-employed, I need my legs. I need to be able to walk because I didn't sit in Because I also was doing a, um, my, my business as well that I was running. And uh, so I was part-time here and then part-time doing that. And so at that point, we'd just taken on a, a, a bigger mortgage. We'd moved into a bigger house. We had uh, just had our second child. 
which, you know, financially that can be a strain. And, uh, and, so, and then we were just coming on staff. And so I was giving up a couple of days, two days of uh, working my own business um, to come and work here. And uh, praise the Lord, we don't work here for money. And uh, so, uh, so, you know, so it was a real stretch for me at that point. But I was doing it believing that, you know, God will move and that, you know, God will meet my needs so it's all good because I know that's what he had called me to do. And so anyway, I'd smash my knee. I was on crutches for two months. And also, therefore, I couldn't work in my business. I was the only person at that stage. And uh, ACC, praise the Lord for ACC. They said, look, you know, we'd only just started our business a year ago. So we had it set up a little differently than we do now. And they said, look, we can only give you half of what you earn. I'm like, what? Don't you pay 80%? They're like, no, because the way you got your business set up, we can only give you half. So they said, so we'll give you $200 a week. I'm thinking, man, I need to do more than that in a day to pay my mortgage. And so here we were. We were in a situation where our own needs were such that we were financially strapped. We were, we were at the point where we had to look at selling the house. What are we going to do? You know, praise the Lord. People came around and, and, they, and they blessed us through that. But also in that midst of trouble, in that midst where we could have very easily just been very inward focused and, oh, poor me, why did it happen to me? I was about to start on staff. We've just had, a, had our second baby. Lord Jesus, don't you love me anymore? What have I done to turn your eyes away from me, Lord? But no, we didn't. And in that time of financial pressure, we sowed into somebody else who was in financial need. We didn't have the money to give because we were, we were strapped already because of our own situation. But as we looked out beyond our own situation and we gave, God moved, man. God moved, and He blessed and He provided, and we ended up totally better off than what we ever were before. Why? Because I believe, because outwardly focused. Outwardly focused. The Bible says this in 1 Kings verse 17, 8 to 15. It talks about the widow from Zarephath. How many people know that she was in a position right there where she had nothing left? She had only enough oil and flour left for one last meal for her and her son. And then the man of God turns up and says, I want you to, pre to uh, prepare a meal for me. She says, Lord, servant of the Lord, that's a great idea, but all I have is enough flour, enough oil just for me and my son. It's our last meal before we will die. He said, nevertheless, I want you to go and provide me a meal. And as you do, the Lord will provide. The Lord will meet your needs. And your, your jug and, and your oil and your flour will never run out. It will always be enough in there. And so she did. But you see, she could have very easily been focused on her own problem. She had a son to provide for. I know that if that was me and somebody came to me and they said, you know, I'm a, I'm a prophet of the Lord and the Lord says that, uh, you know, you give me your last meal. I'll be like, well, man, but I've got kids, man. You know, you, know you, you want me to give you my last meal? What about my kids? That would be, I'm sure that probably was going through her mind. But as she gave, as she was outwardly focused and as she gave to the last of what she had, Verse 16 says this, that there was always enough flour and olive oil left in the containers, just as the Lord had promised through Elijah. As she was outwardly focused, there was always enough. Friends, as you're outwardly focused, not only will you start to position yourself to see God move, 
within, within the community, within your friends, within your family members you've been praying for to see the sick healed, but also your own problems, your own things that you're going through will also, God will move on there right then as you are outwardly focused. You see, friends, we live in a generation where it tells us to look just at ourselves. But I want to tell you that's not the way the Lord works. Self-sacrifice. The second one is this. second key is we need to be dressed for service. And in Luke 12, verse 35 to 36, it said this, Be dressed for service and keep your lamps burning, as though you were waiting for your master to return from the wedding feast. Then you will be ready to open the door and let him in the moment he arrives and knocks. You see, we're called to always be ready. We're called to always be ready because you don't know when God will speak to you, go and pray for that person there. Go and tell that person that Jesus loves you. Go and Go and pray for that person. See, this is talking about being ready for the Lord's coming. And, uh, but, you know, we're, and so often we get focused on that, but I believe it goes a bit beyond that as well, where we need to be ready all the time for God to move. We need to be always dressed for service, ready for the Lord to move, ready for the Lord to move so that when He speaks, you're ready to move. You see, if the Lord told, spoke to you tonight and said on Thursday, this Thursday coming, you're going to be in the supermarket. There's going to be a man in there or a woman in there. They're going to be blind. I'm going to, I'm going to show you who they are, and you're going to go up, and you're going to pray, and you're going to see their eyes healed. How many people would love God to speak that to them tonight? Wouldn't that be cool? But I, I guarantee that if God showed you that so clearly that you had no doubt that it was the Lord Jesus, you would be prayed up, you'd be fasting, you'd be reading your word, you'd be getting up early, you'd be not watching TV, you would be prepared and ready for Thursday. But you see, often Jesus doesn't work that way. It'll be, it'll be great if he did, but often he doesn't. It's a split second and one moment and one time when he speaks. We need to be dressed, ready for service all the time. Because you don't know what situation you'll come up against. You don't know what person will be in need. And I've been in situations where, where I've just felt God tell me to speak to people and, and they've been sharing things and I've been talking and, and whatnot. And, and when I'm finished the conversation, I'm thinking, and how did I even know? I didn't even know that stuff. Where did that come from? But it's about being prepared. It's about being ready. And as you're ready, then God moves. As you step out in faith, God moves. But you see, for most of us, if we're not dressed, ready for service, most of us, when God speaks, will stand back because all that we see is we see the, our lacks in our life. We've got to be dressed and ready for service. The third point is we've got to get off the mountain. And how many people know in, in war, and you see it in movies, that uh, it was real critical that when you're in an attacking team and, uh, and you're in a war situation, that there was always critical advantage points that they would always try and get, whether it was a beach, whether it was a hill, whether it was um, a bridge. And so the aim was, was for, the, for, the, for the army to, if we can get that mountain, if we can get that advantage point and we can hold on to that at all costs, then we will be in a position where we can, then we will probably win the war. 
And you see, for us, it's not much different, really. Because you see, for our lives, we're all, we're, so for some of us here, you're walking through the valley right now, and you're trying to get to the top of the mountain. You're trying to get to the things that stand in your way. And, and, and you're living life, and, and you're seeing the weaknesses in your life, and you're seeing the difficulties in your life, and you're trying to break through. And it's like you're walking through the valley, and you're saying, Lord, if I could just get to the top, if I could just break through and get to the top, then, Lord, it will be all good. It will be okay. And you see, the, the problem is, church, is that as Christians, we often get an area of breakthrough in our lives. We get to the top of the mountain, then we sit there, and we stay in that place of comfort. Because how many people know that walking through the valley in the wilderness and, and stuff is not that nice? It's a much better view from the top of the mountain, amen? It's a much better view when you've had your area of breakthrough. But see, friends, I want to tell you that as Christians, we need to get off that mountain again. We need to get off that mountain again because I believe that as we stay there, we start to get comfortable, we start to get complacent, and then we start to become lukewarm. And the Bible says in Revelation 3.16, since you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'll spit you out of my mouth. Because, friends, there are other mountains that God wants you to claim. There are other victories that God wants you to have in your life. There are mountains where your friends need you to get off the mountain that you're on and get to the next mountain, which is your friend's salvation. There's mountains where God needs you to get off the mountain that you're on so that you can get to the mountain where God's called you to pray for the sick and see them healed. There's mountains where God's called you to break through to a new level in Him, but you've got to get off the mountain that you're on, which means you've got to get off there, walk back down through a new valley through new difficulties. It means getting out of your comfort zone and walking in a place that is a little uncomfortable, that is a little scary, that is a, that where it's the unknown. But friends, as you get off that mountain and you start to push for the new mountains that the Lord's got for you, then breakthrough will come in that area because friends, there are people that are needing you to break through to the next mountain. There are people that are needing you to break through to the next level. You might have family members that are unsaved. That's a mountain you need to conquer. In prayer, reading the Word, speaking into the Spirit over them, you will be saved. I declare, Lord Jesus, you will be saved. I declare for my brother, he will be saved. You see, we've got to do that. We've got to do that. We've got to get off. Maybe you're not even at the mountain. Maybe you're still going through the valley. Friends, be encouraged, you will get there. Be encouraged, you will get there but then don't settle too long. Don't settle too long because there are new heights that the Lord has called every one of us to get to. Amen. As we position ourselves to see God move. So as we look outwardly, not focused on our internal stuff, but focused on how we can help others, how we can be there for others. As we're dressed for service, the moment God speaks, we're ready to go. And that we get off the mountain, ready, ready to claim the mountain of salvation for our friends. Into a new level of healing anointing, the new mountains. The fourth thing is this, is we need to expand our inner life. We need to expand our inner life. And in Luke 13, verse 20 to 21, it says this, what, is, what else is the kingdom of God like? 
It's like the yeast a woman uses, used in making bread. Even though she only put a little yeast in, three measures of flour, it permented every part of the dough. How many people know that when you make bread and you put a little bit of yeast in, into the dough, it causes it to grow and it rises in the oven and all that kind of stuff? You see, the Holy Spirit is like that. In your life, when you get born again, the Holy Spirit, you ask the Holy Spirit to come and live inside of you. But you see, it's now your job to develop that in your life. It's now your job to develop the Holy Spirit within your life. Because you see, it's never His desire for Him to be this little thing inside of your life that when you need Him, you go to Him. This, the Jesus' desire, the Holy Spirit's desire, is that as He is filled in your life, as He lives inside of your life, that He would start to expand and that He would start to consume every part of your life. That the Holy Spirit would start to consume your thoughts, your soul, your, your dreams, your visions, your purpose, the plans that you have. That He would start to consume, and even though He starts off small, as we develop the Holy Spirit in our lives, we then start to, to position ourselves to see God move. Because as a Holy Spirit, as we develop that, as it grows, it grows and grows and grows until the point where not only does it consume our inner life, it starts to consume the outside as well. For some of us, we haven't developed the Holy Spirit yet. God's calling us, church, to develop our inner life. To develop our inner life. And even though at the moment you may not have seen the Holy Spirit do much, you might not have heard Jesus speak to you. You might find it hard to read the Word. You might find it hard to pray. Friends, let me tell you that as you pursue, as you continue, as you keep pushing on, then it gets easier and it gets easier and it gets easier until you come into a love relationship with Jesus Christ where you can't go without a day reading your Bible. You can't go without a day talking with Him. Where you can't go without a day hanging out with Him. Just as the yeast consumes and causes bread to rise, so too that the Holy Spirit will consume your life and cause it to rise. So too as would the Holy Spirit consume every part of your inner life so that it would now not only affect you but the outside as well. That it would start to affect your family. It would start to affect your friends. It would start to affect your marriage that your wife or your husband will start to know that what's different about you. Your friends will start to see what's different about you. You see, we live in a society where, where we have just dulled down sin, where we can lie and not think anything of it, where we can say a little swear word and it might not be one of the worst ones and think nothing of it. You know what, just because the rest of the world does that doesn't make it right for us. Where we can give our word and then not fulfill that. You see, friends, as we allow our inner life to be consumed, as we allow the Holy Spirit within us, within us to consume our life, we then start to be transformed. We then start to position ourselves to see God move. To see God move. To see the hand of God move. You know, 
we need to seriously look at, at what we do. And God calls sin, sin. So don't conform to this world. Whether you think it's serious or not, don't conform. Stand in righteousness. Stand for righteousness. Stand for what God's called you to stand for. Stand for the things that are honoring to the Lord. Stand for them, people. Stand for them. We need to be a church that stands for the things that God's called us to be. Whether we're different or not, who cares at the end of the day? But that we would stand for our beliefs. Amen. Holy Ghost. And the last point is this, is that you'd never give up. The band can come up. That you would never give up. You know, it's not always easy. And when you start to position yourselves to see God move, when you start to speak to those who are lost, and you start to, come on, man, come to church. Come to church. When you start to step out and see people who are sick, you might not see much to start off with, but never give up. You might ask your friend to come to church, and they might say, no, never give up. Never give up. Never give up, friends. Because one day, one day, one day you'll ask them and they'll come. One day you'll pray for that person who's sick and see them healed. Never give up. You know, we give up too easily. And, and I'm included in that at times where, you know, I think, God, I want to I I do this in my life, Lord. I want to get to here. Or God, I want to push out in this area. And then, it's, then you come up against pressures and stuff and, and, and the easiest things to draw back. See, Jesus never drew back. When he was about to die on the cross, he never drew back. When he was stood, stripped of all his clothes, placed the crown of thorns on his head, lashings, he never gave up. When he was walking, carrying the cross, he never gave up for you and me. When he was nailed to the cross, friends, he never gave up for you and me. Because he loves you. Because he loves you. Because he has a plan for your life. Because he has a future for your life. Because he has a destiny for your life. So don't you give up on your friends. Don't you give up, church, pushing into seeing the supernatural become a reality. Don't give up because Jesus never gave up on you. So why should we give up on him?